0: Show four seven five nine in the fan bananas Brent Gunning Maple Leafs with uh, another overtime game. Half of their their games have gone overtime. Yep, it's a lot. It is. It's too many, it's really, like, or not enough. I don't
1: know. I don't know. Too many. I think
0: actually. Yeah, definitely too many. Um, it's it's probably too many. They're playing too many minutes in overtime. These guys are getting you're getting tired. Uh, Eleven of the twenty two games going to overtime. We're just listening to a clip from. 32 Thoughts in the break, just released. Azo <laughs> had to come in and be like, spoiler
1: alert, I know this is the only day you don't listen to Bunk on the drive home, because I know you're dying for 32 Thoughts, but he, mm. he brought it in for us.
0: Uh, and uh, Nikita of uh, with an assist in his Canucks debut. I, You know what? Sorry. I digress a little bit here. Yeah, you did. Um, I don't know what's happening. No, here. because I'm... Anyways, the point I was going to make, about the 32 Thoughts podcast was about all those Calgary Flames defensemen, right? Mm-hmm. The three pending free agents yep. in and Hannafen and Tanev still being there, and the Flames not being out of it, but already moving off of Zadorov mm-hmm. and the Canucks getting aggressive, trading salary out and taking the whole freight.
1: Gotta find some middle in and let the bad head eat, get aggressive.
0: Uh, Zadorov plays for them in Calgary. You think the Flames might have thought about like waiting until that game was was concluded to to consummate that trade and ends up with an assist?
1: Only if the Canucks or the Leafs, like I actually like there has been so much talk about you don't want to send them to Toronto. You don't want to. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. The Leafs do not play in the same division as the Calgary Flames and the Canucks do.
0: No, it's true, and there's there's a part of it just being the Leafs and like yeah they're the most hated yeah. uh, Canadian franchise. Uh-huh. If you're not in Toronto, yeah. yeah you 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 want your team to win, but you know it's like close you got, second you got is two like favorite can the teams, Leafs lose? your team and whoever's playing the Leafs. Right. So, anyways, the thing I was referencing was uh, was Elliot Friedman talking to Jeff Merrick about how perception of the Leafs maybe re-signing Tanev mm-hmm. would have would have really stung, and that's part of the the. The calculus sure. for Craig Conroy when deciding to deal these pending free agents. To which I would say, to your point, they don't play in the same division. They don't play in the same conference. Mm-hmm. And I get it, like there's the whole Brad for living of it all. And and perhaps that's part who cares about perception? Well what are we doing here? Are we trying to are we trying to accumulate the most assets? Are we trying to make the best trade for our hockey team going forward? Are we are we trying to look
1: good? Well, you're afraid of the sunlight, like was the old Dan Rather quote, like oh, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I think the thing is, is if you trade Nikita Zdorov or Chris Tanev or Noah Hannafin, even though I don't think that's happening. Well, not, not to say that I don't think he's being traded. I don't think the Leafs are, are in on him. But if you trade one of those players too, quite literally outside of Edmonton, any other market it's forgotten about like you know Zadorov will play against you and you go oh okay but you just you don't think about it it's the madman i don't think about you at all uh-huh. but if you trade them to the leafs it is something that will be talked about all the time it is something you as a flames fan will think about all the time and it's dumb it should not be a reason why that this happens but i'd be lying to you if i i, I it, it does not make me shake my head and laugh and by laugh i mean makes me angry that the leafs their old gm was the young guy who got his job too fast according to some and everybody had to like really grind him on all the trades and he didn't maybe necessarily have i shouldn't say a bad relationship but he just didn't have the track record of a relationship with all the other gms and now well surely that's in the back burner because they got a hockey man in here who has relationships with all these guys and Oh, but that's still a problem because now it's the GM of the one. Te- he was the ex GM of the one team with all the defensemen to trade. Like it is really remarkable that there always seems to be a reason why it's more difficult.
0: I, here. I think, yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. The other part of it is Craig Conroy being a first time GM too, right? Like in it, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I think that's honestly maybe the tougher look that he knows that guy like he's, would it make sense for a first time to GM for a first time GM to to make a deal with a guy he has a relationship with mm-hmm. that he probably trusts? Yeah. Like I know, but Bright Living's trying to win the trade too. But I think if you're Craig Conroy, you're like, hey man, you're not gonna screw me on on this one, are you? Like, are you gonna really put me in this bad spot in my first couple of days on the job? Yeah. Having said that though, true living needs a trade win. Yeah, he does. It's just to me, I can't get over the fact that you know the the idea that you could trade one of these pending free agents, if in fact you're you're selling because it, hey, maybe the the Flames really do have a, a great, you know, rest of the season mm-hmm. leading up until the trade deadline, and they do it's like own rental type thing, and they're yeah. they're not kicking the can down the line or they're, or they're not punting on this season. But that okay, we play this out, and they are shopping those guys, mm-hmm. and the Leafs do have the best offer, but. You don't trade with them, despite the fact they're not even in your conference because of a perception issue. Like, that, to me, that is—honestly, if I was a Flames fan hearing that, as much as I hate the Leafs, I would hate that thought process.
1: Well, I think the other part of it, though, is what are we talking about in terms of a difference? Like, so Zadorov went for a third and a fifth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know the Leafs— Wanted retention so the return would have been it wouldn't have been minuscule the difference like if the Leafs need retention they would have had to give up a lot more but let's just live in a world where Mm. the Leafs didn't need retention because in theory they don't like they could have just absorbed Zadorov's money into John Klingberg's money they don't Mm. need to do that I understand yeah I understand why but I think if you're a Flames fan there are probably a lot of them who go yeah honestly like if it's a third and a fifth from Vancouver and it's a third and a fourth from Toronto, who cares okay yeah. well yeah I mean because, that- well but but that that's probably the difference like I don't think Brad yeah. Chaliving came in there and was like, "I absolutely must have zadorov it's a it's a second and a third mm. or something like that, I don't think that's what happened here. I think that there was a fair offer made it was probably again, it was probably a better one, given that they needed retention to be involved in all this, but I think that if it's close there is a chunk of people who would say yeah, i don't care oh
0: so he's he's playing to the base then
1: craig conroy's playing to the base this I mean, is there's something to well and again it's not you know ownership gets involved in these conversations as well and there may be some there there may be some saying okay yeah don't give true living the win we saw how this just left it wasn't exactly the rosiest of exits here so yeah if all things are relatively equal mm-hmm. and it's a fourth versus a fifth. And again, I have no idea if that's what the case was. I don't think it would have been, but it's just something I could see that happening easily.
0: Oh, maybe you don't need anybody on the blue line it's playing like relatively well. I mean, honestly, like if I told you that Simon Benoit mm-hmm. and William Laguson and Loggersen. Connor, stop doing that. <laughs> and Connor Timmins were were making up and maybe Timmins to a lesser degree because yeah. he's been a point producer. And like you said, the yeah. advanced stats are, are, are there. They're so good. If I told you those three guys were 50% of the Leafs' blue line right now and they were out playing the Boston Bruins mm-hmm. for the majority of the hockey game yeah. last night or on Saturday, what would you have said? Um, I would say that's great for now. Go get some defensemen. That's what I would say. I think that's probably what Bradford Living yeah, said as well. All right. Time now for our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter. How's it going, Luke?
2: It's going well. Uh, Leafs have a full day off. Mm, yeah, they're
0: excited about that, right? Like it's not normal for a Monday.
2: No, it's not um uh, but it's not normal the way the schedule is laid out they have 4 days between games and they don't have to travel to Sweden or anything so only keep was saying you what can't really remember a stretch like this like their next trip is is just down the road to Ottawa so uh they got to use it wisely i think they, they put a lot of thought into how much practicing they're going to do and decided you know we can we can give these guys too much video too much practice so let's give them a day off uh, on a monday and then they're back to to work for a couple practices and then uh, play the sense
1: yeah it is such an odd schedule i mean even going back to sweden and i, I won't do any more comp complaining about that lord knows everyone who's talked to me since then has heard heard enough of it but now you have this layoff i believe it's next week you got four games in the week including a back-to-back it is just it really does feel and you know i know they're not the only ones in this there are teams that have played less games than the leafs this year including the kings who, who didn't make the trip over over to to sweden but I, I it's just i can't remember such a you know forget this break here but just it feels like it's been a, a yo-yo and you're gonna have the going from a light week here to a really really heavy Everyone next week
2: yeah it's it's kind of wonky the NHL like I was I was just looking at the the standing so in the Leafs division mm-hmm. the Sens have only played 19 games the the Sabres and Lightning have played 25 games like it's odd to have a six a six game difference already and we're in the first week of December so uh, I think it's just kind of a, a reminder to fans that you should probably look at the points percentage and not just the points um, mm-hmm. because uh, it can be deceiving because it is kind of weird just how many the difference in, in games played between some of these teams.
1: Yeah. Leafs eighth in point percentage. I should remind everyone as mm-hmm. you bring that up, Luke.
0: Yeah, and and smartly they they choose this week to to not play a ton of games when the Blue Jays are on the verge of signing Shohei Otani. That's smart. So like everybody can like focus their attention towards refreshing John Morosi's Twitter feed and Shadavita's yeah. Twitter feed this week. That's smart.
2: Um, it, it gives the Fan Morning Show a focus too, that's, right? I
0: yeah.
1: It, although I would, you know me, Luke, I love it when there's no Leaf games to talk about. It's actually my
0: favorite thing in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, we're we're gonna get through it uh, with Showa Otani content. All right. So yeah, the Leafs uh, do have the eighth highest point percentage. They got 28 points through the 22 games, and the strength of 11 games going beyond the regulation 60 uh luke all right let's start with what you mentioned in your latest on sportsnet.ca that's uh, what almost a whole games worth of ice time for this team's top players um is it i, I posited that like the 3 on 3 ice time not exactly equal to the the 5 on 5 uh regulation 60 ice time but do you, yeah do you truly believe there's going to be potentially dividends to pay because of the extra ice time
2: I think it's a question worth asking. I'm not, I'm not sure, like over the course of 82 games, if it, if it ends up you have played 83 because of all your overtimes. Like, does that really matter? I don't know. Um, but it has to be exhausting. I mean, you're, you're right. You're right, Ben. It's not five on five. There aren't a lot of hits thrown at three on three. But what I would say is that the Leafs, especially because of how they're structured, lean really heavily Right now, on their top three D-men and their top six forwards, and those are the guys that are pretty much playing exclusively uh, on in the overtime. I mean, God bless Noah Gregor; he gets out there a couple times, but pretty much it's your it's your core guys getting thrown over the boards. And some of those shifts, uh, the way the way they drag them on, are are pretty long and exhausting. So I just wonder if it if it takes a toll. Physically, but then also mentally. I mean, you have, to, you have to stay engaged. And it's a lot of hockey for the Leafs' top-end guys already. Like, I cannot remember a team. 22 games into the season and half them are going to, to extra time and, and often to a shootout. Like, often it's the full five minutes. It's just a lot of hockey. Um, and like, like I said, the way that the Leafs already lean on those guys, like, is it going to take a toll? I, I just wonder. Um, and, and then, so you can debate whether, Hey, they're getting used to playing in tight games. They're used to playing in, in tight one goal games. Their last seven games have been one goal games. Like that should serve them well in the playoffs because they'll be comfortable in those situations. And then the flip side of that is, well, yeah, against the Bruins, that was great, you know, a comeback. And that was a tight game. That was an excellent hockey game played by both teams. Uh, but, You know, when you're playing the Kraken on a weekday night, shouldn't you be putting that team away earlier and not having to go through the stress and the extra work? So I I see both sides of the argument. I think it's just a fascinating point to bring up
1: yeah just uh, just ask Sheldon Keefe. he would certainly uh, be happy to hammer home that that point for you that you would love to uh, to to close games you know one thing I I was thinking about with the wonky schedule there and it's a a good problem to have well a good problem for one guy maybe uh, less good for the other is what do you do with your goaltending here you know I I think the obvious answer to me is give Joe Wall the net back on, on Thursday but we're now looking at a and I understand he was ill on Saturday so maybe that makes this a little less complicated but all of a sudden we're staring at a scenario where Ilya Samsonov might not have played a game in a little over a week possibly longer than that and you know I think it's good that Joe Wall's to a certain extent kind of grabbing the net here I think it bodes well for the Leafs if somebody's going to do that but you know we know they're going to need both of these guys how do you think they kind of handle things and maybe it's just as easy as after this week they got a busy week and they'll both get back at it
2: yeah I I think you're onto something I mean they got a they got a back-to-back, uh, I'm looking at, in, in New York City the the following week, um, Rangers-Islanders. So you, you're definitely going to see Samsonov there.
1: Yeah, you got a Samsonoff? back-to-back circled in New York. Not surprising, Luke. Mm.
2: Yeah. And uh, Samsonov was, was still sick yesterday and missed practice. So I, I think maybe part of it ha- will have to do with his health. Like, you're not going to throw a guy out there if he's, be still under the weather um again against the senators but but you make a good point with this long stretch off added to the fact that joseph wall went on a run of four straight starts and and played incredible and, and made what sheldon keith said was an easy an easy decision for him um which if you're samson up i don't know if you like hearing that <laughs> uh, but uh you're getting to the point here now where this guy's got to get back into the net. I mean, you're going to need both goalies. Joseph Wolfe never, and I love the way he's played. I love his poise. I like his his posture in the net and his attitude off it. But you're getting to the point where this guy has never carried the load at the NHL level, and and you have to be mindful of his minutes, and you have to be careful of of not losing Samsonov. Like He's going to be kind of cold now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's a lot for them to manage heading into this stretch, but I think you're going to see a bit more of a balance. But no doubt, based on merit, uh, we know who the Leafs' number one goalie is right now at this moment.
0: Yeah, Joseph Wall uh, deserves to start on Thursday, whether he gets it or not. It'll be a, an interesting debate uh, to be had in the coming days. So, Austin Matthews is a great player. There's no debate about that. Uh, he scored a lot of goals this season, even before the, the two goals on Saturday against the Boston Bruins. And, and maybe Saturday does, does color it. So, let's maybe take it before Saturday's game. Is Austin Matthews having a great season
2: that's a, it's a, it's an interesting point. He, he's having a, a season with incredible moments, incredible games. The highs have been high, and there's been some quiet stretches um, similar to last year. And what I found really fascinating, because you never see this, and it got overshadowed by the Ryan Reeves, Brad Marchand, the kind of playful back-and-forth chirping they did Saturday morning, but also Saturday morning before the game. Sheldon Keith was asked about, austin and the question was something about you know the goals aren't falling for him so heading into that game he had one goal in his past nine and and the question was you know the goals aren't falling for him, but is the process there is he doing the right things to generate chances and sheldon said no he said that he needs to be a driver for our team he needs to prioritize doing the right things that lead to chances and kind of call them out like you know not he didn't rip into him, but called him out a little bit softly, and you hardly ever see that. You know, usually he has his his top players back when he's speaking to reporters before a game, and then the Matthews line uh, went out and just dominated. Uh, I believe the shots were twenty two to six when that top line was on the ice, and Austin had one of his best games of the season, and 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 that's apart from you know tying the game and, and saving a point with uh, 5.7 seconds left on the clock, he was just dominant. And Keith revealed yesterday that he had kind of had a one-on-one talk with, with Matthews and said, basically, we want you attacking more. The, the Leafs' top guys have been guilty of overpassing a little bit, and he wants Austin in particular to have a, a shoot-first attack mentality. And kind of, even if the goal doesn't go in, even if it isn't your best look, it... Puts the defense on edge. It creates chaos, and the other guys can gobble up a rebound, and, and the opponents are busy worried about where the shot's going. And I think when Austin's at his best, he's, he's what Sheldon called a beast, which he was Saturday night. And, uh, you know, he had a ton of shots, he was all over the puck. And I think what's frustrating to fans is you don't see it. Like to your point about his having a great season, you don't see that game from him every single night. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you, like you might a Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby's kind of the same guy every single night. You don't always see that from Austin. He, there, there's more waves to his game. There's highs and lows. Uh, so I think that's on the coaching staff to try and get that out of him. And, and sometimes I wonder with, with not just Austin, but other of the top guys, it's like, do so you need an opponent like the Boston Bruins to bring that mm-hmm. out of you? Does the Seattle Kraken do it for you? Not always.
1: Uh, almost never. I actually think <laughs> is the way I would I would posit that. You know, let me let me throw something else at you. And I think the the uh, the knowledge of a one on one meeting is interesting. There of uh, genius by Sheldon Keefe to tell the sixty goal man to to shoot it. I, I that, well, but the yeah, problem but- the problem is is you can't you, you can't do that every every three days, right? Like he cannot be having a one-on-one meeting. It's the same thing of like, we roll our eyes. You know, if a team has a players only meeting, you go, Ooh. And then if they have a second one in the month, you go, ugh. like that's got, you, you gotta be careful of how to use your bullets. And the question I've been wondering about the the public and, you know, we, because of the walking back that's happened, we sometimes make too much of this stuff, I think here, but I do wonder if Sheldon Keith feels he is, able or it's a good idea to be more critical of Austin Matthews when Mitch Marner isn't riding shotgun with him. And I you know, I know people will roll their eyes at that, but I really do think there's something to Different players need to be coached in different ways. William Nylander has been adamant. You need to be hard with me sometimes. I need the stick, not the carrot. Marner seems to be more of a a carrot guy, and I do wonder if there's something of, okay, it's Nylander and Matthews together on that line. And, you know, I know people are going to hear this as, oh, they're big boys, they can handle it, and Mitch can't. That's not even what I'm saying. I just don't know that you get the best version of the player when you do that. Do you think there's something to the idea that he maybe feels, even if it's a subconscious thing, he just feels more able or it's a smarter idea to criticize Matthews when he's away from Marner?
2: Uh, no, you're, you're 100%. And, and it, it's not just Sheldon. It's it's other coaches, too. When you talk to them about coaching methods, that you can't coach every player the same way. You have to coach to the personality. It's like a teacher at school. like mm-hmm. different, different students have different ways of learning. Some it could just be you talking to them. Other, you need to get out. Mine was on the, just the w-
1: get out of here. We got to teach these other kids something. Now just for the record, that was a method that worked with me.
2: Well, it's, it's just different methods for different people. And, and I think that's a hundred percent the case with, with Austin and Mitch and, and Nylander. I mean, Sheldon feels comfortable calling out Nylander when he's not playing his best because he knows Nylander can take it. He knows Austin can take it a little bit. Mitch just, quite honestly, he's just kind of a little bit more of a sensitive guy. And and maybe part of that has to do with um, being a Toronto guy, not being the guy that flies off to Sweden in the off season or Arizona. Like he lives it. He grew up with it. He knows it. He wears it, all that. So if Sheldon were to, to rip Mitch publicly uh, and be hard on him, it it would have a different effect than if he does it for the other guys. And, And I think that's very, very much true.
0: Are you a characteristic guy, Luke? Like, what do you respond best to?
2: Oh, they're probably the carrot. I'm pretty sensitive. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah anyone get, get listening as
1: well, heart. I, I need theory. the carrot. I actually need caviar. <gasps> Carrots aren't good enough for me.
0: Uh, no, it's funny. Like, yeah, I sit here and I, we haven't been explicit in, in like criticizing Mitch Marner's inability to take the stick, but like, yeah, I've given the same position. Like, I absolutely would respond the same way. If if somebody mm-hmm. you know, gave me the stick, I'd be like, I, I'm so, I would respond very poorly. I, I want the carrot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, three carrot guys. Uh, see you, Luke. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> all
2: right, see you guys.
0: Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. I can't, like, in in my career. I'm going
1: I'm I'm to start using the stick. I'm going to start texting no. you after the show, being like,
0: I eh, got to be honest. I yeah. think that was the best. <laughs> I, in my career, I've, uh, I'd say rarely, but I have occasionally gotten the stick. Yeah. I did not, did my not best work not go well. No. Uh, not good for you. No. You, I respond very well to the carrot though. And
1: well, and it's good that you do because you're so smart. <laughs> see, that good, good
0: Thank you. Yeah, you're so tall. Thank you, man. Thank and you. And like you can see once the corrective lenses are put on your face, then yeah. you have 20 20 vision. So that's, oh, good. that's what you look like. Yeah, okay. No. Good, yeah, and you have good hats. Thank you, bud. Thank you. <laughs>
1: I told you you looked like Steve Jobs at the start of the show today because you have like a black crew neck sweater. Yeah,
0: on. I guess. I, did, I didn't know Well, you're even not know, bald, though. No, this is uh, honestly, the, I, I this has never happened to me in my life. Uh, and this is men on the short list of reasons why you should get married. Uh that <laughs> your significant other buys your clothes. But like I this is the first time I've gone into my dresser and just seen new clothes. Like usually she's like, Hey, Whoa. I bought you this. That happens. I eh? literally opened the drawer today and I was like, What's that sound? And it was like, that, it was like that that the uh, crinkly yeah, paper? The paper. Yeah, was it was it in it still. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> it was just- tissue paper. <laughs> In the middle of a folded shirt, and I was like, that looks like that's going on me wow, today. Wow, that is,
1: that's really a window into your, into you. Like, I, don't get me wrong, like, I'm a, I'm a married guy yeah. through and through, but I buy my own clothes. I don't, uh, really? yeah, I, now I'm picturing, now I like to think, now I'm upset that you go in the closet Honestly? and pick them out. I like to think that, I like
0: to think that your lovely wife lays them out on the bed for you the night before. I wish. I <laughs> wish. I would gladly accept that. Oh. I now, now I'm thinking like I buy my own shoes. I like to buy my own shoes. You were I bragging
1: can? about some uh, some fancy ones you had when we went to the Leaf game last. I had time. Gucci shoes yeah. on. Nobody. I got. didn't want to. I didn't want to name drop. Wanted, no one to you. No. Oh, I wanted, okay, yeah, like I didn't right. want to steal that
0: from yeah. you. Yeah. Gucci or Gucci. You want to yeah. hit me up? Like that's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the only reason I have Gucci is because I, <laughs> I have a family member who works for Gucci. But uh. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I actually picked out my own clothes and, and went to a store and purchased them myself. Well, uh, since we're doing hot clothes talk, this this red
1: uh, like crew neck I have on was bought for a Halloween costume because I was going to be Tiger Woods <laughs> and it was going to be cold.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was going to be Freddy Krueger. No, no. <laughs> Tiger Woods, red Freddy crew neck. Kruger, all right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. You know, <laughs> Retrofitting... Halloween costume that never got it, worn into it, it, just
1: staples of my wardrobe. It's good. It's good I, I, I actually think that's worse than if my wife bought it for no, me. No, it's it's much worse yeah so yeah. much worse and you're wearing the yeah
0: the golf hat as well Good
1: no the, this golf hat i bought because i was like i love golf
0: it had nothing i mean to do how with different halloween costume for, like the halloween costume it looked really how no, much different than it, what you're the wearing only
1: the only difference the only difference is that it was a plain black nike hat as opposed to a blue one that yeah. said golf on it
0: you're basically wearing basically a, yeah. a halloween costume yeah. right now all right comedian and actor <laughs> Sebastian Maniscalso coming to Scotiabank Arena on November 22nd next year as part of his It Ain't Right Tour. We're giving away tickets to enter. All you have to do is tune in to episodes of the Fan Morning Show. Listen for the code word, then text the code word to five ninety five ninety. Today's code word is comedy. Text comedy to five ninety five ninety right now to enter for your chance to win. If you don't win with us, make sure to go to ticketmaster.ca to secure your tickets. When we come back, Jeff Blair knows whether or not the Blue Jays are going to sign Shohei Otani. <laughs> We're going to convince him to divulge the details on that bad boy next. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
2: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers podcast. Subscribe and
3: download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right. Fan morning show, Sportsnet of The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. We're, we're at the keeping tabs on Japanese Reddit portion of the Shohei Otani discourse. I've, that's just my life. Forget when Shohei's involved. I just yeah. want to know what's
1: going on over there at yeah. all points in time.
0: So I'm keeping tabs at all all times. Yeah, so there is, I, I guess, a Japanese report confirming <laughs> Susan Slusser's speculation that Otani <sighs> was in San Francisco at Oracle Park meeting just, with uh, Bob Melvin and uh that was on saturday
1: i just have to laugh at the sentence i guess a japanese reddit confirms so and so's report. all right what a time god this guy i either need him to sign tomorrow or never sign so we could do this forever <sighs> i i don't know which i want honestly
0: mm, i want it i enough. know you do right. i know well let's let's careful what you out. wish for are you sure all right, let's us let's, let's talk to the world's foremost Reddit expert. It is Jeff Japanese Blair. Reddit. Uh Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker. How's it going, Jeff?
3: What the hell's Reddit?
0: Yeah. It's the it's I think it markets itself as the internet's front page. That is actually the
1: exact response I would have scripted for you. That's what I wanted you to say to mm, that no, to that I intro, it- Jeff.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, haven't spent haven't spent a great deal. I'm still I'm still uh, still struggling with X or whatever the hell it's called. Mm, no, it's, it'll so. always be
0: Twitter because if you go yeah. to twitter dot com, it opens up, so it's still Twitter. Uh, all right, so I don't know. Let's just blanket. Like we got to start with Shohei. Um, it feels like everybody has perilously little actual tangible information about what's gone on the last couple of weeks here. Where are you at?
3: Uh, I'm with everybody else. I I think this is kind of. This is the way it was going to play out for Shohei Ohtani. And I think um, I, I think the key issue for a team like the Blue Jays right now, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, I, I think mo- if you put 100 baseball people in a room, 95 would say they think he's going to sign with the Dodgers. And of that 95, probably 90 will tell you that he probably made his mind up at some point last season or the season before this past season that he was going to sign with the Dodgers. So um, to me, the issue for the Blue Jays, pardon me, and for other teams, I guess you know the Mariners and teams that may be on the periphery uh, of this whole thing, is at what point do you pivot off Shohei Otani and start focusing on, for example, Juan Soto? I've always felt it was more likely that the Jays were going to end up with Juan Soto this offseason than Shohei Ohtani um, simply because I, I just think with that two-year window that you have with Vladdy or Bo bringing a guy like Soto in for one year um, it, it, it just makes a lot of sense like yeah you're not gonna have you're not gonna get both Soto and Ohtani I don't mm-hmm. think uh, I know there are people out there who see that and and, and You know, one thing we know about the Blue Jays is um, money does not appear to be a factor Mm. uh, with this organization. It it seems as if they are quite comfortable running a payroll that will once again either just be under the luxury tax or, you know, slightly above the luxury tax level. I I think I found it interesting that the Los Angeles Angels – at the end of last season started making all these moves that ended up putting them under the luxury tax by about $30,000 or so. And I, I can see the Jays doing something like that. If the season doesn't go, doesn't go the way they're going to go, but I've just kind of felt all along that Juan Soto makes more sense for them. I know they talked to the nationals about Juan Soto uh, when, when that whole situation arose with San Diego. Um, but you know, i I mean, I've, I've been told by people that at the end of the day, if it comes down to pure dollars, Mm -hmm. there are only two teams that will give Shohei Ohtani what he wants, and that's the Dodgers and or the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that he was in San Francisco this weekend. I don't doubt Susan's reporting. We know that San Francisco desperately, desperately, desperately needs a big name uh they frankly need a big name to sell tickets more than the blue jays need a big name to sell tickets so and and you know we know last year San Francisco was connected with every important free agent on the market right at one point people thought Aaron Judge might even sign there so i've kind of thought the the giants will be will have a role in this at some point you know his agent Otani's agent has got lots of ties to seattle to the mariners organization I'm intrigued at the way the Mariners have moved out a ton of money in the past couple of weeks clearly they've got something cooking whether it's otani or whatever but i still it's just it's felt like the dodgers all along hasn't Mm -hmm. it i'll ask you guys just because we're all reading the same thing yep and let's face it other than jeff passan and ken rosenthal nobody really and maybe shohei otani's agent and his interpreter nobody really knows what's going on at this thing i mean we're kind of finger painting right now yeah and and hasn't it felt like the dodgers all along to you guys yeah and and you know what vegas hasn't wavered right
0: like the 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 jays odds have gone down and they're the second favorite but it's still that the the dodgers are minus money to to land otani i think that's where we all are i think people are surprised that we're this deep into the proceedings and the blue jays are right there jeff right so you you talk about this team going into the luxury tax last year and maybe going beyond what they they had in as far as salary commitments last season this upcoming year and you know, five hundred. I mean, John Morosi is reporting maybe like six hundred million dollars to land mm-hmm. Shohei Ohtani. Is that just like a Shohei Ohtani outlay, and like that that doesn't exist if if it's somebody else? Like, because the other thing about the the Soto of it all, um, and he's he's much younger, and obviously just a uh, one year remaining of team control and arbitration, where you're gonna have to pay him more than thirty million bucks. But that you do have your first kick of the can. To, to try and woo him and, and not sign him because he's, he's a Scott Boris client. So he's, he's going to hit the open market, but does that like $500 million still exist as a potential, you know, re-sign, say you go out and sign Juan Soto with the idea that you have a pretty good shot of, of, of competing at the
3: top of his market. Does that change things? See, I, I, I remember JP Richard used to talk about this and I'm willing to bet that the Jays had the same thing. It's the same thing now. Because J.P. Ricciardi was general manager of this team when the current ownership, when Rogers Communications owned the team. And he used to say, look, I go into a meeting with the board with three different payrolls. I go in with the let's tear it all down. Let's tear it down to the studs payroll projection. I go in with a let's keep what we have. And add a little bit here and there projection, and then I go in with the let's blow the doors off this sucker and add whatever the hell we need projection. And and I'm I'm willing to bet that's kind of what has happened here. That essentially the Jays have three different sets of payroll parameters, and one of them includes Shohei Ohtani. You know, I mean, if you, if you do the raw numbers, they can make Shohei Ohtani fit here at $40, 45 million I mean, they can do it. And you know they don't have to move Vlad or, or Bo to to do it. They can make it fit. Um, they've saved money with the free agents they've let go. Now, granted, uh, a couple of players get pretty sizable increases. I think Bo goes up by nine million dollars this year. A Chad Green goes up by seven million dollars this year. So there is some you know some money is going to be eaten by guys the Jays already have. But if you absolutely – if you look at things kind of from a distance, if you take a step back, there are a bunch of factors at work here. Um, the Jays are going to talk to teams, and they have talked to teams about moving George Springer. Um, the the free agent market for row fielders isn't very good. Uh, yes, it's a, you know, it's a pretty big contract left for George Springer. I don't think the Jays are doing it because they want to save money. I think they're doing it because they're looking at the market and saying, look, maybe we can – Maybe we can do something with another team where we take on half of their bad contract in order to get a great player. And, you know, I, I, I think Springer may factor, for example, in the Juan Soda discussions. So there's all, there's all sorts of things going on here, but basically the Jays can make Otani fit under their payroll without having to do something stupid, like get rid of, of, of Bo and Flatty. So they've got the money to make this work. Um, But, you know, I keep thinking back to conversation Barker and I had with Joe Maddon. And when you bring Shohei Ohtani into your team, now it's going to be a little different this year because he isn't going to pitch, but when you bring him into your team, you have to create and you have to change your entire ecosystem. You've got to have other starting pitchers who buy into the idea when he is pitching that, you know, there may be some glitches here there may be a day where Shohei Ohtani can't make his start. So that has an impact on the other pitchers. He's got a certain way of doing things. You've got to bring his people in. You've got to bring his medical people in. You've got to bring his support people in. Mm. So it's not simply... He's not a guy where you sign him, bring him in, and then you hit the ground running. Mm. There's a whole ecosystem that comes with it. Uh, And you know what? That costs money as well. But I just... I, I absolutely believe the Jays are serious about this. Uh, I think Shohei Ohtani's... I, I see no reason why he wouldn't be interested in Toronto. They're the one team in this whole thing that doesn't need him to pitch this year to contend. Right? They don't... They, Shohei Ohtani can come to Toronto and, and the Jays can say to him, just leave your glove at home. Like, don't even bring your glove. You're going nowhere near a mound until sometime in September once you're completely healthy. And even then... It's just going to be the light toss. All we want you to do is hit in the middle of the order and rake this year. And and they're one team that can do that without, you know, without necessarily weakening themselves tremendously. But I keep getting back to Juan Soto. It just – Juan Soto to me has just seemed to make more sense all along uh, than Otani. I think it's probably more – it's more doable you know, you, you, we hear that Alec Manoa may be one of the names involved. I know there are people in the Jays organization who would dearly love to move on from Alec Manoa because I think, I think they're just tired of it, and I think he's tired of the organization. So, you know, as I said, I think Shohei Otani in a lot of ways makes as much if not more sense, or Juan soda makes as much if not more sense for them. We know that you shouldn't do, you know, the job of a front office solely based
1: off public perception but we can't lie and act like that doesn't exist can they and i i know the answer is yes if they win they can do whatever they want but can they afford to have a chance where they get neither of these guys or uh, a world where they get neither of these guys now because otani you know it's like we said we all agree like the likelihood is that he ends up a Dodger and Soto, I mean, yeah, it's possible they make the move, but it's possible they get outbid. How much do you think the, you know, the fact that this has now got out there, that it does feel like uh, one or the other is very much in play do you think they can kind of afford from a perception standpoint to strike out on both? And again, no one's going to fault them for not signing Otani. I think that's where we all expect this to go. But I do wonder if there will now be seen as, oh, you better go get Soto if you're not able to, to land Otani. And I, I know that's not necessarily fair, but we, we know life isn't fair, Jeff.
3: No, I, listen, I, I think you're you're dead on. Uh, you're bang on with that. Look, uh, you know, the premium seating that is being put in at the Rogers Centre it's going to be cheap yeah you know, shy I, I believe shy wrote a couple of weeks ago that people are being asked for a 5 year commitment on those premium seats with the understanding that the tickets will increase 2% a year so uh yeah and and this is a team that i mean hasn't won it hasn't won a hasn't, hasn't won in the playoffs uh, mm. in, in recent years um they scored a run though they scored a run. Uh, yeah, they scored a run. They did score a run. And, but but in in both both playoff situations, I mean the, the you know the collapse against Seattle two years ago was was just was gut wrenching. And then of course we all know what happened here. Look at the end of the day, this this is about consumer confidence, and I think the Jays, I, I think there's three approaches here: uh, Otani or, or two approaches, Otani or Soto. But in the very least, in the very least, the, the Jays can't run it back next year with a bunch of or run it. Yeah, the Jays can't run it back next season with a bunch of Plan Bs the way they tried to do it this year. I think this is the the root of the issue. All right, the the problem when people hook you up with Otani and Soto, and you end up giving them Jorge Soler. <laughs> And <laughs> bring uh, back my Chapman, <laughs> you know, whatever, guys like that. From a baseball point of view, it's not horrible. I, I, I'd rather have Jorge Soler in the middle of the order than anybody the Jays had in the middle of the order last year. Right? Mm-hmm. I would take him. He would make their lineup better. But you, know, you guys made a made a great point. Last year, it's pretty clear that you brought in a bunch of Plan Bs, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Because you didn't win in the playoffs. I mean, bottom line is you didn't win in the playoffs. And that's what this is all about. You've got Vladdy and Bo for two more years. You've got to win at some point during that time. So, yeah, it's – I I still think at the end of the day the most important thing is making the team better, uh, getting another impactful bat in the middle of the order, preferably a left-handed bat – I'm still not entirely convinced, and I think this is a really underrated story given the way the season ended. I'm not convinced that that the Jays believe in Jordan Romano as a closer 100%. Um, it's probably not number one in their to-do list, but I just don't. Based on how the, the season ended, I don't believe that there's they have this this tremendous amount of faith that he's going to be a guy who's going to go wire to wire as a closer. But they've got to, uh, in addition to making the team better, I, I think you do have to sell a little. You do have to sell a little sizzle here, mm. because I think the fan base, the loss to Seattle in the playoffs was shocking, uh, but it was also John Schneider's first year as a manager, and yada yada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Last year wasn't supposed to happen, right? This past season wasn't supposed to end the way it ended, and. I do think the Jays need to they need to realize that they've you know they, their fan base has gone from expect from being expectant to being skeptical. Mm. And um, I mean, your point's well made. I I'm generally not one of those people that says says make a big splash to sell tickets. Uh, but uh they may be in a position right now where they have to do something significant. As I said, you can't you can't try to sell people in another Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer, uh off season. It's just not gonna work. It might you know, it might keep some of the uh, really, really, really smart bloggers happy mm. it's not gonna keep the uh it, it's it's not gonna keep te- keep the folks that buy tickets happy
0: uh the George Springer signing was a big splash, and yeah you you had the report eighteen hours ago, Twitter tells me uh, something I've heard in the last week while well, it's far from a priority, the Jays might try and get out from under George springer's deal as part of their off season work he's an eighteen no trade clause he has three years left. On on his deal, this is the way free agent contracts work. Jeff is that yeah, the the final years, especially guys that are signed in their thirties, they don't necessarily look great. And could George bounce back from last season's pretty meh year? Yeah, sure he could. Uh, he also might be in the midst of of decline here. Mm-hmm. If if they are shopping him, like what what is? I mean, you mentioned the the dearth of available outfield bats. Um, I still it's hard not to view him as a negative asset. Like do, do the Jays have to eat some of that deal if they trade him
3: away. I mean a lot of it you know a lot of it depends what you're getting in return, right? If if you're if you're making a deal with a team like I'm just going to pick San Diego. You know San Diego's got a couple of contracts they want to move, Jake Cronenworth and uh, and 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 Trent Grisham. Uh, you you really don't want either of those contracts. But if somehow you can work it out that Soto plus one of those guys, which is kind of what the the Padres and the Yankees were talking about. You know, maybe if you're the Jays, you okay, that's not really what we want, but if we can put Springer in the deal and maybe get something else in return for Springer, you know, Springer could certainly play every day for a team. Um you again, you look at the free agent market, there's just there's not a lot out there. There's not a lot out there at all. And, yeah, George Springer, I think, played 154 games last year. The chances of him playing 154 games uh, in a season, at in any of the next seasons left in this contract, aren't real good. It's probably not going to happen. You just kind of assume that with George Springer. But maybe there is a world where you put together a package that allows two teams to kind of, you know, to move deals that it's not that they haven't worked out for them but move deals to address pressing issues and bring in players that might be making more money than they want at that position but you know what if i can get a if i can get a guy who's a decent lefty hitter in my lineup and it's going to cost me some money and in order to make it work i can put george springer in the deal maybe it's something maybe it's something I have to look at because it's pretty clear George Springer's not going to hit in the middle of the order for this team. He wants to be the leadoff hitter. Uh, I, I get all that, but it's um, it's not a priority for the Jays, but it's something they would certainly be looking at. And again, I'm sure there are other organizations. If you're the Seattle Mariners and you don't have at the end of the day, you don't really have an outfielder. Maybe George Springer's attractive to you. You could do worse. You have done worse. Um but it's uh it's just it's a bizarre market because in addition to otani you've got a bunch of teams that have real concerns about their t v contracts and you've got a bunch of teams that basically have to plan for um basically have to plan for a potential revenue shortfall because the regional you know, the collapse of the regional TV deals in the United States. I think that the Texas Rangers kind of, they've got the Texas Rangers have $111 million in TV revenue that they're not entirely certain they're going to get this year. So that's one of the reasons you've seen the Texas Rangers who a lot of people thought would be a sleeper for Shohei Otani. It's one of the reasons you've seen the Texas Rangers kind of take a step back here. Mm. There's just, there's, there's a bunch of stuff going on right now in the market uh, you know, we haven't even talked about the fact that there is a team in Baltimore that uh, won the division, mm-hmm. has an ungodly number of young players. I mean, the Orioles could ship two young starters out mm-hmm. in the off season, and, and and they've got more than adequate replacements. So there are there are a bunch of things that at, at work right now in the game, um, and, and I think for that reason. You are going to see a team like the Blue Jays be really aggressive when it comes to a deal like George Springer's. Uh, We shall see. Uh, Winter meetings
0: starting today in Nashville. Jeff, thanks for this. Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Be well. Good Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Jeff Blair. Blair and Barker. Uh, You got the good morning. I just feel like if anybody would either –
1: completely just like lambaste me for that or not care is perfect. Again, like that
0: one sounded kind of natural. That one kind of like sounded like, sorry, I'll be worse next time. Is that
1: what you wanted from me? Can you
0: try? I I don't need to. (laughs) Uh, We don't have a ton of time for this, but yeah, Otani is not the most seamless fit. Right, like Soto, he, he plays a position that you actually need to fill. Wow, you're already turning on Otani
1: no. before the Jays even sign him.
0: Yeah, Otani's DH, so uh,
1: no, another no, reason no. why you want no, want no. To ship out. That's George my player. tag. Mm-hmm. You
0: can't have it. Okay, we'll be saving that for when he signs with the Dodgers <laughs> in the coming days. All right, uh, this is the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5 The Fan. Ben and Sprint Gunning. Good morning.